Hey friends, your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy D&D Prep. In this weekly show, I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday D&D game. In this case, I am running the hardcover adventure Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. This show, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. You can become a patron of Sly Flourish by going to patreon.com slash slyflourish and signing up. So, uh, patrons get access to all kinds of exclusive material, but most of all, they are helping me put on shows like this. So to the patrons of Sly Flourish, Thank you so much for helping to support this show. Oh, exciting times in my Rhyme of the Frost Maiden game. We're going to talk about fighting Oral the Frost Maiden today. And I have thoughts. I have thoughts about it. Thoughts and opinions that we're going to talk about. So in the last session's game, they had just defeated the Chardelon Dragon. And they, I knew we were going to have a bit of downtime, and I knew that I wanted to have a bunch of character arcs taken care of. And we had that, and it was, it was beautiful. We had Ilda and, Ilda and Auken murder the man who murdered their father in broad daylight in the middle of the town, which worked out fine because there was a giant Shardalon dragon that had just killed a bunch of people anyway, so nobody's really worried. A lot of interesting stuff that occurred with Ilda and, and the connection to Thrun. I started off with I started off with my flashback about Ilda being brought back to the Knights of the Black Sword as a baby with a mark on her head and black ink in her eyes. And he said, We have built, we have, we have together we have made the the chosen one, right? I.e. a child of Thrun. Is she a child of Thrun? No. Who could say? I kind of have this idea that Auken is actually a child of Thrun. I'm not sure. I'm playing with stuff. So lots of really cool stuff there. They tied off a bunch of loose ends. Candle met with his parents, but he was very short with them because in his dream, he had murdered his parents. He had, he had told the Xanathar who to kill, which was really grim. So there's a lot of neat sort of character-focused stuff. An interesting side bit is I was prepared for the characters to fight the Knight's Kiss, which are the assassins that have been hunting for, they're the assassins that have been hunting down Shadow all of this time. And they followed somebody and they learned where he went. And they knew the Knight's Kiss are down there. We could ambush them just like we ambushed Shakar Ballard. We're not going to, we're gonna let them be. We're just gonna leave town. And I was like, wow. And, and they, I'm like, they sniffed out a trap. They might not have known it. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. But they, the Knight's Kiss knew, we know what you did with Shakar Ballard. We're not going to let you do that, but we'll make you think you can. And then you come down here and we're going to jump you and we're going to kick your ass, right? And, and they successfully navigated that trap, which meant I had this whole thing about the Knight's Kiss and it didn't happen, right? Which was fine. So they gathered all their stuff up and they headed north and started making their way to the Regged Glacier. Snow came in. They saw this huge crystalline, crystalline pillar that was sitting in there, this Frost Maiden's pillar. They're like, what is that? They hear a screech. They look up and here comes Iskra, the rock, and a being jumps off and lands on the ground in the Black Widow three-corner pose, stands up, and it's Oral. And they're like, oh my God. And Oral proceeds to start blasting them and they start to attack back. And I learned something which I had suspected. So I'm going, to make a, I'm going to make a bold statement here. One that may, I don't know if it's going to shock and anger people. When I first read Rhyme of the Frost Maiden and I first looked at the stat block for Oral, the stat blocks for Oral, I was disappointed with them because I looked at them. I said, these don't feel like they represent a god to me, right? And then I ran the stat blocks and they're even worse than I thought they were. 
I'm very disappointed with the oral stat blocks and they're not working well for me. And I now have to go do a bunch of work like I've had to do for a lot of this adventure to kind of make things work out. And I don't, I don't know that I even have a good recommendation for this. Right. So I talked to my good friend, Sam, who disagrees with me about a lot of Rhyme of the Frostbait. And he kind of disagreed with me on this, except he also said, yeah, the stat blocks do not do a good job of representing a god. They were they were stupid to ever put a stat block of a god in there in the first place. So maybe if you can find a way to not have Oral be a antagonist, not an antagonist, but not a killable monster, that would be good. If you could call the three forms of Oral something other than Oral, that would also be good. Are they children of Oral, avatars of Oral, or manifestations of Oral? Something that, it, so that's not, she's not, that's not Oral. That would be good. Sam agrees, uh, disagrees with me because he said I didn't run it right. And the reason I didn't run it right is because I didn't run them sequentially. I didn't run one form, second form, third form, one right after the other. And he's right about that. However, within the forms, the stat blocks are a mess. And I'll, and I'll, I'll talk about why. Let's pull them up. The spoilers, by the way. So I've now run two of the three stat blocks, right? I haven't run the third yet, but I'm guessing the third ain't going to be much better. And we had, yeah, he and I had a big, long discussion, you know, heated discussion in my Discord chat about it. Now let's see, go to adventures. Ice when Dale Ryan the Frost Maiden. Why am I doing this? I could just, I could just do a search for oral. So the, the problems with the oral stat blocks are in two big places. Number one, they do not represent a god, right? And if you think about it, I'll, t I'll show you the thing that really burns, you know, burns my butt about this and that is if you look at the beginning of the adventure in their little call out that everybody loves to read the little jokey call out it says Icewind Dale is a frostbitten end of the world you can't spell Icewind Dale and and the you know you can't spell Icewind Dale without ice my friend and the frost maiden this is the big one the frost maiden is not some demon prince vampire lich beholder crime lord or arch devil she's a god and a cold-hearted one at that. So the disclaimer here makes it sound like, hey, we made this adventure, and in it you're going to face the God of Frost, and she isn't some paltry demon prince, vampire, lich, beholder, crime lord. So she's saying, you know, what you're saying is Orcus, Strahd, Sararak, the Xanathar, or Zariel, right? She should be better than all of those. Huh. Except... Let's look at Zariel for a minute here, right? Archduke Zariel of Avernus, right? CR 26, 588 hit points, 580 hit points, fiery weapons, you know, oh my God, right? Regen, 20 points regen, twice with her flail, once with, with Malatok, an artifact, right? 17 on a flail hit, 17 piercing plus 36 fire damage. Madelok, Right, Nine, 17 bludgeoning damage, 36 fire damage, horrid touch, emoliating gaze, right? She's mean, right? She hits hard. That's, let's look at Acerarek. Acerarek I have problems with. Acerarek's problems is spellless bites, right? You know, CR 23, 285 hit points, CR you know, 21. Look at it. He's the only one the creature that can cast multiple ninth level spells, including power word kill and time stop. Right? All of these are finger of death three times. Frightening gaze. His only you know, he can cast one of his at will spells. He can cast as a legendary action. And he can do third level spells, which is a joke because why you have arcane lock and knock. His spell list is terrible, but his ability to cast spells is really good. 
So if you put fireball and lightning bolt down here, now he's throwing fireballs and lightning bolts around three times around, right? So you'd think like, oh, wow, Oral's better than that, right? No, Oral's stat block is challenge rating nine for a god, nine. 95 hit points, vulnerable to radiant damage. Paladin can take her out in two hits, right? All kinds of problems. So I, th this is the stuff that I looked at and I was like, wow, that's really, that's really not great. This is the only form. The first form is the one form I haven't run, but let me talk about the other, the, the other. Well, for her first form, yes, and she's got three forms, but all of them have vulnerabilities, vulnerable to fire, right? Vulnerable to other thing, 136 hit points. So yeah, if you add them all together, that's kind of like having 300 hit points, right? And it's like you're fighting a nine, a 10, you know, <clears throat> you're theoretically fighting three different forms with three different challenge ratings, all one right after the other. So it's kind of like fighting a god. That was Sam's point, that each one is a different monster. But I still think with the vulnerability, particularly the vulnerability, she's going to go down. Really she just doesn't represent a god. So this is the one that I ran last time, right? And the thing that really bites me about this is multi-attack. Oral attacks twice with her morning star or, th or hurls three ice darts. This is a god, right? Recall, god of frost can hurl three ice darts. The ice dart does five points of piercing damage, three cold damage. So let me make sure I understand. Your stat block for the goddess of winter does three cold damage with an ice dart. Three. Zariel does 36. Ten times more. Now I get it. It's like, ah, but isn't this like, isn't, you know, this is what is suitable considering that you're going to be running here with like characters of seventh and ninth level. That's why you don't do that, right? Here, oh, here's another one. The, the Ice McFlurry, right? Legendary action, cost two actions. Each creature within 30 feet of Oral takes five piercing damage. Five piercing damage from swirling ice. Are you kidding me? for two legendary actions, five damage, I'm going to get laughed at, right? A, a death burst of a ice method does an average of four, and the ice method is CR one half. <laughs> Give me a break, right? So what do you, t you know, why would you put this in here, right? Ice stasis. So I ran this, right? And I'll tell you how it worked. Ice stasis. Look at the size of this block of text here right? It's 150 words. I went and counted. It's 150 words, right? And it's got this whole thing. DC 21 charisma saving throw become trapped in the crystal. You're immovable. Saving throws succeed. You have to buzz it, blah, 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 blah. Until you get down to, where is it? I can't find it because it's so freaking long. Here it is. The important bit. If the saving throw succeeds, the crystal shatters and nothing else happens. So her big move, her big recharge move has no effect on a successful save. Now, DC 21 Charisma is pretty good, but she tried it and the guy, you know, player rolled a 20 or like an 18, right? And he made it, he succeeded. Nothing happens. Here, big move, nothing happens if she, if the, if the character does it. And she's a legendary creature, right? So lots of stuff should happen. What a mess, right? What a mess. This is one version. This is the second form, right? Now, Third form was the other one that I ran. And I ran this a couple weeks ago, right? I put this, what my, I'll tell you what my goal was. And this is why I didn't run them all sequentially is I, A, I wanted to test them out because I like testing out bosses. So if I have an option to run bosses against a party and see how they do 
and I have a story reason to do that, that means I can run them again a second time and know what to do, right? It, it helps train me in running it because you don't get a lot of shots at this. So what I said I would do is I would have three forms of oral in three different places. The characters would fight each form and see what that was like. And then closer to the end, all three forms will come at the same time and they'll have to fight all three in a row. <clears throat> so I thought that that would be a neat way to do it. And I probably still will do that. But boy, I don't like these. So it's the third form problem, right? The third form is the ice crystal, the, the, the mother. I think it's the mother form, right? And so she has an aura around her. And this is one where, yeah, I'm on, yeah. so in my arguments, it was like, well, are, are, is she should be in melee with them or not in melee with them? Oh, no, she shouldn't be in melee with them. Well, then why does she get five attacks in melee, right? There's all kinds of like, how was I supposed to use this, right? And the example here is she has this frigid aura. Each creature within 10 feet of her takes 10 cold damage, right? And she can increase the aura for two legendary actions to 20, right? So that's good. So anybody that's near her is taking 20 cold damage, except a lot of people are resistant to cold, so they're not taking a lot, right? Then all of her attacks, right? And she has polar ray attack here as a legendary action. And she has polar ray attack here as a multi-attack. She can do it twice. And it does significant, you know, 4d6 cold damage on a hit. That's not nothing, right? That's probably not nothing. But it's a ranged attack, right? It's only ranged, which means if a character is adjacent to her, those are a disadvantage, right? She cannot do those because she's a disadvantage if somebody's next to her attacking her. And theoretically, you think your melee characters are going to want to get up and attack her. So are there ways to not have that happen? Yes, right? But it's a pain. And so, you know, all of her legendary, all of her main attacks are going to get, be a disadvantage if she's in melee. Now she can use this blinding gleam Flares of blue light. Each creature that can see oral within 10 feet, 6, 8, and DC 17 to saving throw become blinded. So that means that she can screw them up and then she gets advantage in the attack. So that, that's definitely something that she can do. The other thing is the blizzard veil creates a 30-foot radius sphere centered on herself. Area is heavily obscured, which means nobody can see anyway. It's going to be blinded. And she's got blind sight, so she can see through it. Sphere moves with oral, right? So you can pull that off too. So there are ways to kind of deal with this. But like I've got to do a lot of work to run this monster. And and make it run well. And it's like, it's just, you know, and I haven't even gotten to the first form yet, which I'm also going to run. I think I'm going to run that when they're going through the Caves of Hunger. That's the owlbear form. And this is the one where like, should it be in melee? Should it not be in melee? It does talon attacks, right? So, but the talon is seven piercing plus three cold damage. Why? Why three cold damage? Are you kidding me? That's a joke. You're a freaking god. You're the god of frost. You create, look at the guys you create. Look at what tr ice trolls do. Look at what the the cold light walkers do. I hope none of my players are watching this either, but they shouldn't be because I, I spoil everything on this. Right? So she can do talent attacks as a, as a legendary action. You know, she can't do touch of, I guess she can use touch of frost for two legendary actions. That's 13 cold damage. So the damage is, is so low. I don't know what happened. I, I, I go back to the, the, there's a crazy spreadsheet and they make all of the monsters aligned to the spreadsheet. So even after playtesting, they go through and fix it and they just take dials and turn them down and they don't even think about the fact that this is oral and give it three cold damage. But that's just, for God, are you kidding me? It's like, it should be like Zariel. It should be doing like 36 cold damage. But of course you do 36 cold damage with this, you're going to kill characters. So what are you going to do? Yeah, Touch of Frost is plus 13 to hit. Yes, it is. Way better than the talons, right? But she's going to do one. She could do two of these around. So boy, I don't know what to do with this, right? I I I don't have a fix. I I'm I'm gonna do this for two different groups, and at the end, I will probably have some better way 
to, you know, I will have some better way of handling this, but I can tell you that as she stands right now, the oral stat blocks are a train wreck. I think I would rather take three interesting monsters and run them sequentially, like an ice troll, because ice trolls are really badass. A cold light walker would be another one. You know, <clears throat> I think that like, somehow I've got to fudge this stuff because it's not going to work. Yeah, so in the last game, they were fighting her. We're halfway through the fight with the first one. And they're, the characters are threatened by it, but they're not having a hard time. They banished Iskra with a banish spell, right? So, and I, I had hoped that that would be the case. They tried it a couple of times and failed once. But I was like, Iskra, which is a rock, is a banishable target. And I was like, you're, you're going to have a really hard time fighting both Iskra and Oral in the same fight. At their, at their seventh, at, their, at seventh level. I'll probably make them eighth level after this fight. And so they banished Iskra. I kind of hoped they would. And then they're fighting Oral, but they're like halfway through the Oral fight. And I've got to, I've got to change stuff. Silicia says F banish. Yeah. I actually don't mind banish. It doesn't bother me that much, but I, I like it. As soon as characters get access to banishes, the minute that you can't have a single monster that doesn't have legendary resistance that could disappear. And that's fine. But like in this case, I, I you know, did I, des I designed around it, right? I made sure there was enough stuff there that I was hoping you would paralyze that thing some way, right? I was hoping there was some way they were going to deal with Iskra because if they not, Iskra is going to kick their ass. So isn't that normally a good monster design? Like having PCs to decide to go into melee and suffer the aura effect or stay away and not being able to attack a melee and then give the monster range attacks and possible abilities to harm nearby. It is, but like they're just, like I don't know how I'm supposed to run it. Like I don't, you know, the, the design is such that it's like, they're huge stat blocks and half of the stuff is completely, doesn't work, right? Like 150 words for one of the abilities that, has no effect on a successful save. And so, you know, she blew a whole turn on that. So I don't know what to do with it. Anyway, let's get a session planning template up because I'm running my game. What we're going to talk about for most of this session, I think, is the Caves of Hunger itself because that's where they're going next. Uh, today is the 24th. Strong start. I got that. Oral. And we're going to note the fact that it is Oral's second form. I think they fought him in reverse order. I think it was third. Yeah. Scenes are pretty straightforward. Finish off oral, second form. Travel to the caves of hunger. Burn through the glacier with the, the summer star. Now I remember it. So then they travel through the caves of hunger and then they get to Yethrin, right? And then they get to the cell of Thrun and then some choices. And that's the end of the campaign. So really, uh, you know, seven bullet points for the rest of the campaign. I mean, a lot of things are going to happen in there. So I've got my scenes and we're going to, we're going to take a deep look at the caves of hunger, right? And I caves of hunger goes in my lo fantastic locations. So that's good. Secrets and clues. So what are we, what are we going to say about oral orals three forms? What, what, what's the secret about those that the forms are not or are manifestations of her presence in Icewind Dale, right? I think, I think that that's an important point that, you know, they are, they are her physical manifestations of her presence and the physical manifestations of her presence in Icewind Dale. What is, well, so what's the alternative? What's the opposite? You know, what, what does that mean? That means that she, 
she's not here physically, right? Oral's divinity surrounds the land. She is the snow. She is the ice. She is the night, right? So that way you can say like, it's not really her. You're not really fighting a God. You are fighting these physical manifestations of the God. Uh, she's Batman. There is the, the Oral's first form hunts in the caves below. Where do I want the first form? I could, you know, so the strong star could be the other form shows up. Uh, is that too much? I've, I got to find a good way for the first form to show up. And it could be down in Yethrin. I'm, I probably have it hunts in the caves below. Okay, that's good. I think it's going to be down in Yethrin and then we'll do all three. So what other secrets? Teklili transformed a clan of kobolds into vampires. They are known as the what? The Black Fangs? That's a pretty stereotypical name, but hey, it works. People remember. What other, so let's let's look at some caves. Let's see if I can get some. Okay, so I have, what, what are the secrets? So I have types of secrets. I have character, are there any character secrets? How about Aachen? I don't know, I'm hoping Aachen will be here. Aachen has been here before. He remembers having been here. I think that'll be a fun secret. You know what I blew off? I blew off the characters. Let's look at the characters and then let's think about secrets while I think about the characters. Uh, Ilda is a Goliath barbarian. She slew her father's murderer, who she thought was her stepfather and wasn't. She may be a child of Oral. Shadow Shadowhawk is a half mind flayer, half drow sorcerer. He is like tapped into the far realm and stuff like that. There's some interesting angles. Auken Dawncaller is a Goliath of the Worm Doom Crag tribe. And he he sees things under the ice, but I think he might have a tighter connection there. Gorwan Alcazar, secret uh, revealed member of the Greycastle family, rich noble. And he thought for a minute that he might have lost his, his connection to the Greycastles, but he contacted them and they still knew who he was. So he's like, oh, good. I didn't lose my name yet. He thought he might have. I might have. I, I probably should have done that. Perrin Fat Rabbit is a conspiracy theorist, uh, halfling ranger who's got mind flayer tendrils up and down his arms because he was captured, but he wasn't turned into one. Uh, Candle in the Dark is a former servant and former rogue in service of the Xanathar who saved his parents, but then had a dream where he killed his and, and one of the trials, which worked really well. By the way, the trials worked out, worked really well. I was very happy with how that worked out and now is down in the depths. So are there any secrets about these characters that relate to the Caves of Hunger, to Yethrin, to Secrets Under the Ice? Shadowhawk could hear the voice of Thrun. That might be cool because of his far realmy nature. So we could definitely tie some of that in. I want to put like, it would be really cool. I want to foreshadow something. I'm a little nervous about this, but I want to foreshadow something. I want to foreshadow, there is a, there is, this is a big, big, big spoiler. So beware, big spoiler. One of the possible options at the end of this adventure is that the characters actually teleport thousands of years earlier to the time when Icewind Dale was temperate and the, and the Netherese were just coming about. They used the last obelisk to, to, tra to traverse time and go back. And I think it would be really cool if they did. So something neat would be if they saw something under the ice that was like something they owned that was trapped in the ice and must have been there for thousands of years. And they're like, how is this object that I own, you know, how is this object that I own trapped 
thousands of years ago in the ice foreshadows this potential time travel thing. That would be cool. The only problem is what if they end up not traveling back in time? Have you created, have you created a paradox? But that might be okay. I don't know. I, I, I'll work with it. So what would be trapped back in the ice? What might they find when they're traveling through? Would they see like one of their own bodies? Is there a, you know, what, is there an object that they hold? You know, what is, what is, it would be very cool to see, you know, I got to like think through, maybe I'll have to do like a bit of storytelling. What's an item that your character has? You know, and sort of like bones, like maybe they find a corpse of themselves. Do some multiverse stuff here. I think that would be cool. So one of the secrets could be great beasts from other worlds lay trapped in the ice. The Neth battled powerful monsters known as Ferrum. I actually have, let's see if I can find it. So the Minsk and Boo guide uh, that just came out on DM's Guild has Ferrum in it. Let's pull this up here. Minsk and Boo's Journal of Villainy, which is available on the DM's Guild, has lots and lots of monsters in it, lots of really cool stuff. But one of the things it has is the Ferrum. Ferrum, oh, look at oh, the God, the art in this is so cool. Look at that guy, the Skeleton Lord. Ferrum CR. Five CRs harder than oral. And it has all these kinds of different things going on. It's got stingers and attacks and all kinds of stuff. We are going to grab this thing. Boop. And we're going to link to the Ferrum. Did I spell it right? P-H-A-E-R-I-M-M. We'll just do a new sub page just for ease. I'll click on that. And we go in here. I paste that. And we've got ourselves a Ferrum stat block. And we could even grab ourselves some text. I don't know if that's going to work, but, you know, there we go. So I got some text about ferrums. But there are these, like, huge parasitic monsters. Oh, I need a picture. And there's a few different pictures out there of what a ferrum looks like. That one's pretty good. That one's pretty good. Copy image. So I got a ferrum, right? Very cool. And Nethery's about powerful monsters known as ferrum, who nearly devoured the world and the magic within it. Because I think I want to have some ferrum. I don't know what I'm going to, I want to tie the ferrum in a little bit more because I think it's really cool. So that's really neat. What else? So one, so Teklili, this is a secret I've already revealed before, but it's kind of matters now. Drank was trapped in the caves of hunger and drank from a black oily pool and became a vampire. I think that, so is that, is that creature a Thrun? How about Thrun wasn't the only drawn, uh, wasn't the only creature drawn out of the void. The Netherese opened up. Oh, maybe this is a better secret, right? The Netherese used what the elves had done to open up portals to the far realm and pulled other horrors in. So Thrun wasn't enough, right? Thrun wasn't scary enough. So they brought multiple. Is that an 11th secret? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Oh my God, 11 secrets. It'll be okay. The good news is I'm done on secrets. I'll set there.
I'll tell you one thing. I really when when I when I'm going to run a dungeon, I'm happier because running dungeons for me is just easier than running other bits of D and D. Like you know, especially when I've got a dungeon and I already have it, and I know it's just a matter of going through the chambers and stuff like that. It's it's a lot easier to handle a lot of this because like all the fantastic locations are handled and the maps are handled. Things are just it's it's done and it's kind of easy. So I really find it pretty straightforward, which means it's like an easier night. So we have what was his name? The caller, the kobold. The Kobold Caller of Teklili is one of the NPCs that's really important that I want to bring about. Rend Hollow. Oh, God, what a name. It might be the best name I've ever come up with for an NPC. So Rend Hollow is the leader of the Black of the Black Fangs. Are the Black Fangs, is that what I have? Yeah. And Caller of Teklili. And we have Teklili himself. Monsters, we have Vampire Kobolds. We have a vampire, true vampire. We probably have what other monsters we have. So treasure-wise, I think the characters are pretty well decked out in physical treasure. So I'll do whatever is in the book. I'll probably, you know, I think I'm going to just lean on the book. And why don't we take a look at the book right now? So, right. You know, I've mostly filled out what I need to, like, run the game. But big question is what happens in... in uh, and I've read it before, but, you know, it always helps to, to, to get it warmed up. There's one, there's one thing I have heard from people about the caves of hunger I, that that was is a potential problem and it's that it's not a very jquay style map that it's it's relatively linear and once you like go sliding down the remoraz tunnels which i think are like this h10 and h22 the minute you go down these you can't really go back right once you go here you're kind of you know you're down in these slides and I guess the arrows are pointing up, right? These these go down. So there's actually one that goes down to the under. Why would you have one that goes down to the underdark, and then not have any underdark stuff? So there's that. There's the creature, right? So this thing can be missed. I guess it's it looks pretty Jayquay style, right? Because you get down here, and you could go back. So I guess it's like stuff up here that you might miss, but that's okay. You miss stuff, you miss stuff, right? So it's a great big dungeon, you know, great great big great big crawl here. So let's worry about, we're going to start with like, what are the expectations about where they are going to go today? Which is probably just this first area here. You know, we'll do a, we'll do a glance through. They come in, we are, we're not doing the Rhyme of the Frost Maiden poem. That probably would have been a fine way to go. You read a poem from the Codicil of the White and that's what opens up the thing. But I like the idea that the summer star could burn through. That seemed, that seemed cool. Sky Coach, Professor Scant, anything with Professor Scant, I'm going to instead use I'm going to instead use the, who is it? Valish Gant. So Valish Gant is, I think, going to be an, MP, an important NPC. Not Valish Gant. What's his name? Oh, everybody's name falls from my head and I can't remember anybody. Janth. Janth Alwar. As soon as I start to look. So Janth Alwar can act, act as Professor Scant. Uh, bag of holding and a ring of the ram. See, there's, there's treasure in here. So four flame skulls in area H3. So we got flame skulls coming. That'll be hard. We got vampire spawn in, in certain areas, ice methods. Running Tech Lili is going to be interesting, right? So let's 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 take a look at Tech Lili, the stat block. Let's see if how that how that one works. He's a CR eight. He is not legendary, so he can be banished with one shot. He has a charisma of minus one, so. I guess we're not using the null vampire stat block. Is there anything cool about the null vampire stat block? That's cool. Two attacks, one with its bite, and one with its claws. Bite is 12 plus 9. Claws is 10. Frightful cackle. That's kind of interesting. Sickening gaze. 
poisoned for 24 hours. So that's pretty good. So I think we can pretty much take this stat block and wrap a, I would probably put some necrotic damage on his claw attacks. I might put the same necrotic damage that his bite has on his claw to make him dangerous and that he can do his claw. So we'll give him legendary actions. His legendary actions will include, we can just do this in our head. He has the three legendary resistances, so he's not going to get freaking banished. And he has three legendary actions. He can do a, a claw attack as a legendary action. He can spend a few to do the, the frightening, the frightful. Maybe it takes three for that because that one's pretty powerful. He can move without provoking because the vampires, I like to give him fast movement. So he could do that as a legendary action. And I think that that would be pretty good, right? That gives him mobility. It gives him his ex explosion thing, the sickening gaze that could be like a two point thing that he could throw around. So I think we can make this guy a legendary creature pretty easily. I don't know why they don't make legendary creatures. You know, I mean, how is a null vampire, not a legendary creature? Vampire is how's the vampire step block. Been a while since I looked at the vampire, looking at any other vampires that they've, that they've created here. So let's go with the straight vampire. Street Vampire is a CR 13, but they under, they're under hit. So they are legendary, right? They got three legendary resistances. They can move without provoking. So they got fast movement. They can make an unarmed strike. They can make a bite. So that's good. The unarmed strike is eight, but you, I would throw some necrotic damage on this. I would probably throw the same bite necrotic damage on the unarmed strike, but just wouldn't have it reduce the target's hit points. So I could just use the vampire stat block on its own the sickening gaze those are kind of cool things like you could replace the charm with a sickening gaze so i think i'm going to use the vampire stat block and add some of the other stuff so then it's like you know the hit and run tactics the hit and run tactics are going to be kind of interesting to see uh, can he can the vampire turn invisible he can shape change into stuff he has misty escape spider climb How's the stealth on a vampire? Plus nine on stealth. Pretty good. I really want to do some like fun alien kind of stuff going on here. Treat, treat the vampire like the alien in the movie Alien, I think is a good angle. And so him grabbing people, you know, and, and biting them and devouring them and then dropping them and then fleeing and then coming back, I think would be kind of a fun, a fun way for him to go. Yeah, so I think he will definitely be able to turn into a giant hyena. I think that would be good. Dragging him up into the ducts. Yeah. So what else do we got? We got a ruined tower. Uh, a lot of this, so, so, so this is where like you're learning about the Netherese as you're going and that's kind of cool. Fair bit of treasure. A lot of places where you're getting Tech Lili attacking, which I think can be okay. Are we going to do the big giant? There's the big giant head, right? The golem head. And the golems, the golem is actually... The golem is actually storming around in another place, but I don't think there's actually a good way to bring the two of them back together again. I think that's a problem. Toppled spire, that's always cool. So one of the angles that I'm gonna put is, and I think, I think it's an important part of the scenes, when they get to the Caves of Hunger, so one of the things they have is candles, Remoraz egg begins to warm and wiggle, right? And that's because I think as it goes closer to the Remoraz nest, I think it's time for the Remoraz egg to hatch. Maybe one of the things they see in the Caves of Hunger, 
actually this would happen here, right? Maybe there's a, a stone with a that with a carving of a tabaxi riding on the back of a huge remoraz, you know, from thousands of years, you know. I think it would be cool. So we could have like a special section for this one, weird stuff from the past, right? And these are things that the characters might find that kind of link them to the past. So it could be what? A gray castle emblem on a coin necklace from buried under thousands, thousands of years of ice. I, it'd be cool to have like one of these for every character. A dead mind flare dressed in shadow garb. Dead mind flare cast in, in, dressed in shadow hark's garb. Bones of a halfling with woven with illithid fiber optics, illithid fibers. So that's, let's see, we got two. What for, I need one for Ilda and one for Aachen. A carving of Ilda, a mosaic, right? A, a crumbling mosaic of Ilda in her full thrown knight form. And then something for Aachen, a totem given to Aachen by his father, inscribed by his father from 2000 years ago. So every character has a potential of finding something. We can make these a numbered list and we can roll randomly. So these are all things that they could find when they're on their, ex on their journey that ties them to like, why is, why is this thing lost from a thousand years ago? What is going on here? Like, and you know, it'd be really cool if like Auken found a necklace buried in the ice that his father gave him that was inscribed by his father as like a luck. And he looks and he's got the same one, only it's new, right? Or it's only a few years old. And he's like, why is there one? How can both of these exist? What's going on here, right? Cool stuff. I don't know how that's going to play out, but I think that's kind of cool. Den of Shadows, 12 Shadows. Woo, shadows are hard. I think the Knight's Kiss are still in play. I think they're going to make their way down to... Probably not the Caves of Hunger, but down into Yethrin. When, they, when they're when they in Yethrin, I think there'll be a time when they face them. The alternative is they never have to face them. So we'll see. Curse of Hunger. Terrible psychic trauma lingers in this cave. Oh, this is where they like try to eat, eat people. Oh, the Drow Explorers. The West Observation Platform. This could be where they get jumped. This might be a good place to have the, the Knight's Kiss. Maybe this is their outpost, right? This would be pretty cool. Sounds like a good place to do it. How handy. They won't be surprised if they get jumped and it won't be too, it won't be too much. So a 12th secret is the Knights. Knights Kiss travel down in the Caves of Hunger. They have a teleportation circle that takes them to Menzo, takes them to Menzo Baranzin. I think that can work. What else? Den of Death. Kobold vampire spawn. The kobold vampire spawn are a little weak too, right? They're CR three, so they're not crazy. But I've 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 been using vampire spawn stat blocks. But the fact that they only do like eleven points on a hit makes them pretty weak for a vampire, and they don't seem to have fast movement. They do have pack tactics, which is nice. But I think I would use regular vampire spawn 
you want them to be dangerous. Maybe reduced hit points, but increased damage. That, that'd be pretty cool. Whoops. So, I mean, you know, I, so I'm, I'm going to run it. I'm going to run it as, as it plays out here. I think it'll be cool. I don't know that there's much I have to change. I'm not seeing much that I have to change. Their whole, I, you got to reiterate the goal, that their goal is to get down to the city of Yethrin and seal up the sarcophagus of Thrun. There's going to be a lot of hunting of Teklili. Uh, I think I'm going to have Teklili show up a few times, and they're going to have to figure out how to deal with him. I want him to be pretty dangerous. I want his vampire spawn to be pretty dangerous. I'm going to harass them with R Rend Hollow. Rend Hollow is going to be calling out to them, you know. So I think it will be a good time. I'm excited for it. So I think that is it for today. I think we're all set. I, I have my notes. I'm excited about what's going to go on. I'll let you know how the final battle with Oral in her second form goes. And uh, yeah, and we'll see how everything goes next time. So I want to thank everybody for hanging out this morning with me to uh, prep my game. If you want to help me out, there's four things you can do. You can subscribe to the Slyflourish newsletter. You can subscribe to my channel on YouTube. You can support, support me directly on Patreon, or you can pick up any of my books. So thank you all very much for coming today. And I'll see you next week. Have a great day and get out there and play some D&D. &D.